Also right. realize how ridiculously autumnal I look on this thing. Like, yes. literally, have like, you been have like, you been chopping wood? Literally, like I might as well just have my axe spear on my shoulder, like <laughs> a stack of wood. I'm a little pumpkin latte or something, like honestly. Let's see if I can remember how this goes. <laughs> Welcome to Thinking Deeply by Primary Education, the podcast that makes time and space to think about pedagogy, teaching and learning, professional development, anything of interest to time poor but enthusiasm rich primary teachers. This week, I'm joined by Lloyd Williams Jones. Hello there. And together, we're going to explore the implementation of an effective reading program. Yeah, I reckon that's a fair way to describe it. <laughs> In primary school. First, Lloyd, what you reading for? Hey, what you reading for? So I've had the pleasure um, of reading The Power of Teams by Sam Crome. Now, Sam is an extremely, extremely uh, well-read and I, I'm going to, he's an expert, I would say. He's an expert in his field of um, teams and culture in schools. And he is a, you know, he's still working on the ground and still doing it. And and how he's carved the time out to be so, so well read with this book. I mean, it, it just, it's just come at the right time for me. And it is also a, it's magnificently written. It's written so coherently and so concisely that it's just every every drop is gold. You know, I, I, I'm 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 not even I'm only a couple of chapters in because I'll tell you for why is because myself and Lucy have decided uh, after our sort of professional now we've done our professional qualifications um, we want to continue the culture of sort of professional learning between us. So we've decided to do this as a book study between us. So I have a regular meeting with Lucy on a, on a Monday. And the first part of that meeting will be exploring like a chapter of the book um, or, you know, maybe a section of the book that we decide to to read pre-read before, before coming to the meeting. So it's to keep us sharp as well. And it's brilliant because it's making us really, really reflect about our, our team culture and about what we do. And, and it's keeping us extremely honest and, thinking about our psychological safety in our school and all these different aspects that that are just probed so well. Um, and like I say, I'm not even that far in and it's already had a profound effect. It's already had an impact on decisions we've made um, as a leadership team. Um, so so I, I thank you to Sam really for writing this book. And I know he's, he's, he's an excellent speaker as well. I haven't managed to see him yet. It's on my list to go and to go and connect with, but he's uh, he's written a, a really... A really excellent book here and i would recommend it highly to to any leader or teacher that matter really i think any everybody who could benefit from understanding what makes effective teams and effective like team culture uh, in schools so kieran what are you reading for yeah i remember shannon 
flagging Sam research head Surrey a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. Possibly. Or Berkshire. I can't remember which one exactly. But yeah, I need to get a I need to get a copy of that. Maybe I'll borrow yours when you're uh, finished. Definitely. Or maybe, yeah. or maybe I'll buy it. Um, because that's probably the right thing to do. <laughs> I think I think we owe him to buy it. <laughs> uh, so mine is I mean, I feel like I've read this before. Um I certainly haven't recommended it before, but it's called Did the Vikings Really Have Helmets with Horns? Sources and narrative content in Swedish upper primary school history teaching. And it's by Martin Stolar or Stolare. Um, not really sure how the emphasis is put on the last E, but essentially it's an exploration of curricular decision making and subject knowledge. The, the difference between sort of the procedural aspects of, of subjects and the narrative aspect of the subject. So well worth a read. Very interesting. And I think it's very short as well. And it's from 2015. We're just off season six. We're back with our chat episodes. I thought it'd be really interesting to find out, Lloyd, about how you have implemented the, uh, it doesn't feel like a program, but you have <laughs> taken an approach to the teaching of reading based on the work of Christopher Such. You had access to his ideas just before they were published. And so that helped shape how you do things at your school. And I thought it'd be really good to explore what that looks like after two and a bit years. So I think it makes sense for the first question to be, what have you done? Like you said, Kieran, I was very fortunate um to have an early access to Chris's thinking, really, um, you know, and it was quite clear uh, at the time of him him writing that uh, that book was was very much needed for the primary sector, as we've mentioned before on the podcast. And I came to the school and the, like, taking first look at kind of what was going on with reading, it was a mishmash of Viper's help to be quite honest with you. Um, and it, it 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 didn't really have any clear direction. It felt a bit like everything was a bit flash in the pan. It's not to say people weren't trying really hard with things because I like the staff in my school do try really, really hard with things and they were giving it the best go. I just don't, we just didn't have a, a really clear kind of uh, a way. You know, we try and um, everything we do, we try and embody like the Staplehurst way. And, you know, everything we do is, is this is how we do it, you know, and try and put, put our, put our stamp on things. I think that's really important as well. Like when you, when you're considering, considering implementing things in a school is that you make things your own and you make it your way. Um, and that might be some slight deviations from contextual deviations from the, the, the core uh, implementation, but not too far, you know, and we'll talk about that a bit, a bit later on, but like you, you do need to contextualize and make it yours um and chris was incredibly supportive in the process and i kind of said to him early on look we I, I, we need to do this because i identified it. it was early on and we needed we needed to move quickly on it because we were it was in the middle of lockdown and you know that there were there were pros and cons to that um it, it kind of gave us um gave us a little bit of thinking space and a bit of bit of room to, to maneuver if you will so at times are a little bit different as we all experienced but it it was really important actually for us that we had that 
maneuverability and then Chris's um, support as well. Uh, and I said to him, you know, I, I, I want to be an early adopter of this. And because I, you know, it, it uh, as we know that it's quite seminal now already that work. And I think like we just, I just knew, we knew straight away from reading it. I was like, oh my days, this is, this is what we've needed in the sector for like a long time. And um, it just made complete sense. So I, I wanted to get going on it. Now, <laughs> looking back at it, um, we did have to move quicker because we were we were we were imminent Ofsted and we were a requires improvement school, which has implications, you know. However, my mantra is always about long, steady, uh, carefully implemented um, uh, interventions. You know, whatever it is you, you, you're trying to do, do it do it carefully and do it at a at a, de- at a reasonable pace. Now, looking back at this are there things i would have changed about the way we implemented it perhaps but we we were in a very strange time and um we were doing that we were all doing the best we could i think so but i think it's it's important to caveat kind of what i explained today with uh, a little bit of that you know that we just need to remember the time the time this was done and kind of um yeah and how, and how that 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 kind of context affected the um the the, the pace of implementation i should say um we so so having looked at it and and sort of thought right this is it's not really in the place we needed to be and with reading being at the core of the framework and so so vitally important in schools for every every subject um we knew i knew we had to act quite quickly on this and this was one that that didn't fall into my sort of strategic curriculum development plan this was a pick up and attack kind of uh subject which Sometimes I feel there is a place for a pickup and attack because, and you have to do that if, you know, if your core stuff is needing that attention, then attack it because that stuff's got to be in place before you start jazzing up your history. You know, like I, I, I don't, you know, I think we know that it all, it all leads from reading. So, so having, having looked at what our offer was and our kind of our, our culture and our reading diet, it was clear that there was just no real consensus across the staff as to like, what the approach was and like why it was the why that was missing and actually i don't know that at the time when i first saw it that i had the why because like i don't think anybody had outlined properly the why at the why at the time was as as like chris and neil have alluded to in previous episodes was like sats and the kind of uh manufactured kind of inference question cycle you know that uh has had kind of developed into this like sort of beast that had invaded every school in the land and and that was what they they were my mental models so i was kind of thinking to myself okay i sort of understand what you're trying to do here but this still lacks a little bit of like rationale for me and like i can't quite see the vision of this subject and like what's going on here and then chris's book well he, he decided to write it we, we egged him on to write it and he wrote it and it just beautifully synthesized all of the research and presented me the answer, you know, to, to what was needed to, as a solution to, to, to kind of really remedy the, the sort of the lack of kind of rationale and the lack of um, direction for reading in the school. I think that's important to say is that, you know, what, and I, and I must say this, like, like, you know, I'm not for one minute saying that, that the teachers weren't working hard or doing a good job, but what they were doing, they were, it's just it, it the kind of, top-down view of reading in the school wasn't you know it was just disorganized and 
um, the, that kind of rigor, which I'll, I'll talk about later on, which the approach really employs, um, was, was sort of, was lacking. So we decided to um, crack straight on with training our teachers up uh, as best we could in the lockdown. A lot of it was done remotely and we did it as much as we could in the first instance of laying all the theoretical side of of, uh, of, of things down um, and then when we were able to get back into school and school started to return to normal um, and we were able to actually practice things and able to try things out and start to really work with children um, then we were able to to sort of really establish our you know our canon for reading and our and our sort of reading behaviors and the structures of our lessons and how it's all organized and laid out in his in his book and and put it to task and start to sort of see um what worked what didn't work and it was it was really useful because i was able to use chris as a sounding board during this which i think he found quite useful as well in a way that it was feedback for him about from a ground from the ground kind of uh, as to what what it looked like like what you know a scaled kind of implementation of his of his approach looked like and like what what were the teething problems because there always is isn't there there's all we know when we do any implementation we've got a factor for a bit of flex and um and responsiveness in it with the active ingredients uh, to ensure that we that we, that we that we sort of mitigate the the things that pop up in front of us that we perhaps couldn't have have seen when we when we did our, all our planning uh, and sort of laid the kind of pathway out for staff before so it started to become quite clear what what we needed to address and how we how we needed to move on it um but my reading lead at the time Alina she's since she's since moved on to another school now she's taken on an early early years uh, lead role she's a fantastic uh, practitioner and a fantastic reading leader that and she drove this with me and um her attention to detail and her ability to close loops is what i'm going to say her ability to close a loop it was astonishing like she just knew how to how to follow up and and not in a uh in a kind of draconian way but in a Oh yeah, do you need a bit more support with that? Oh, oh, we checked in on that last week. I'm just going to pop back, you know, and using the leadership time every week, religiously to to follow up, and that kind of low stakes loop closing was was instrumental in uh, how we moved reading the reading forward. So over that period of of kind of a year and a half, I want to say after the lockdown. Um, where we were able to get back on the ground and really start practicing our reading behaviors and our, um, you know, all, all of those sessions and, and bedding them in. And she was just there to be able to to land it and alongside me. Uh, so we were able to QA and land it and um, and work on it as, it as it went and then able to get those structures in. And I think staff were, you know, they were just really, they were happy. They were really pleased to see a really clear approach and support. And I think the follow-up support as well, which was so important to land something like that. Because it's big, you know, like you're talking a, a subject you're going to teach every day for at least half an hour. That's a big implementation, isn't it? You know, we know like we're not just talking about perhaps history, which is done an hour a week or whatever. You know, we're talking about a, sub a substantial subject here. Um, so staff were obviously a little bit nervous to begin with. 
but we then moved to uh, embedding all of the structures, all of the reading structures, um, and we did that in a phased way, um, which which I'll talk about later on. But we, yeah, we we moved to uh, to embed the the whole of the approach, um, and uh, yeah, and and teachers were teachers teachers bought in, you know, and 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 that's so that's kind of what the the journey of the school went on. We'd come from this place where we 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 were a bit rudderless um to a point where we were sailing you know really we were really on our way and if and it felt like that like it really like kind of felt like that walking around the school and talking to people you just there was a kind of feeling of like oh yeah like reading I like I had like teaching assistants asking me if they could have a copy of Chris's book and things you know because they were they were so interested in in the kind of direction that the reading was going and I think that that's testament to um to the quality the quality of of the approach really so no teaching assistants asked if they want a copy of my book. No. Yours is sold out, mate. So disappointing. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, I think this this speaks to why the conversation about implementation is perhaps not as developed as other parts of the discourse on education. Because right, if I followed you correctly through that. You've identified what it was you wanted to change and how you want to change it. You've, you've then clarified it. You've explained it and perhaps modeled it virtually because of the sort of constraints of the, the time. You've tested it. You've followed up. You've made incremental improvements. You developed it and then you've embedded it. And that doesn't fit on a poster. And so. You know, I mean, maybe it does, but, you know, people like threes and they remember threes. You've got quite a few things there to think about. And it just shows, you know, it, it's not messy, but it's not succinct either. There is a lot to that. How have you gone about actually doing this? A lovely way to summarize it, really, I think. You, you, I, I'll, I'll echo what you said there. I believe implementation is one of the things we talk about probably the least in education, certainly in the primary sector. Um, and for me, it's probably one of the most important things, um, certainly in school improvement and schools that need improving. Is there's like it's the how you do it, um, and there's like I've said this before and I've spoken live. You know, there's so much excellent, excellent content and principles and books and studies and things that we can use in schools but like you know workmen and tools and all that and you know it's it's how it gets enacted it's how do you actually get this across and successful and like you said embedded and sustained and it is just like you know it's a, it's a persistent problem in schools isn't it and it's one of those ones where I don't know that you you ever you 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 know you never finish the job really as such you constantly review and iterate uh, and review but it's something it, you know we have I feel like we need to give this more airtime because it's so important and I just it's I just can't stress enough how much I value when I read a blog or I read a book, or I read, you know, I read, or, or I talk to someone, I hear a talk in a conference or something, and someone really outlines, like, how they've done something. For me as a leader, they are the most 
sort of valuable bits of learning that I that I do. I like hearing and just and 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 especially hearing when people get things wrong. And I like go that didn't work. And um, you know, I found this we found this really, really hard and this didn't work. You know, being really honest and reflective about it and going, okay, yeah, you know, because because we can all we can all paint a picture, can't we? We can all paint a picture on social media or, or even here now, you know, on this podcast. I'd be painting some picture here and I, you know, we're all painting a picture of 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 what our, our kind of ideals are and what we, you know, what we think we've done. Um, but ultimately the more honest we are with that and the more reflective we can be, I just think the profession benefits from it immensely. And I I encourage and sort of uh, will continue to seek the, the sort of uh, to read, uh, you know, those blogs and, and about the studies and listen to those podcasts where where people do have that kind of thinking. That That was a big part of why I asked Rachel Ball and Shannon to take part in season six because they both are very keen to talk about what they're actually doing. You know, obviously I was asking them about general principles, but then it's what did those principles look like? And they were very, very keen to talk about where things had gone wrong. I I almost asked them similar questions on some of their um some of the sections of the of their episodes. And yeah, I mean if you're looking for examples of people who talk about what they do, how they do it, you know, look no further than Rachel and and, and Shannon. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, those two are definitely in the same way of thinking as, as I am, and I know you are, Karen, and very tuned into the how. And I think, you know, I think that's probably why I value them so highly as well, you know, I, because they do that so well. Um and I think it's so, so important to to be able to try and learn from others about, you know, to try and help you, prevent you from perhaps making those mistakes, isn't it? It's like we do with children, isn't it? We try and look for misconceptions. We try to look at other models where perhaps things didn't work or have worked, but didn't quite, you know, it wasn't the optimum way of doing it or whatever. And learning from that and going, right, if we try and do that, maybe we can mitigate for that thing that I learned from that leader because X, Y, and Z, you know, and, and I do, for me, that's smart leadership, that's intelligent leadership. And that's the way we, we should be as leaders is reflective and, and not inward, but like outward looking, outward facing and thinking, right, what did you do? How did you do that? Right. And not being egotist, egotistical about that and, and, and sort of saying that actually we all do mess up on times. And sometimes we have these wonderful ideas and these, you know, and we 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 make them look great on social media, and we sort of we make them into a talk, and we do this and we do that, and sometimes they just they they don't pan out in the long run to be the the right thing, and because we're all making it's cost benefit, we're all making decisions, aren't we, all the time in schools? Uh, the best decisions we can make is informed by by the evidence, but also informed by the experiences of other leaders as well, and I think that's important to to always take into account. Like I'm not saying go fly blind, but consider the research consider what others have done in the field as well that that might that might have caused problems and uh, that's why i like learning from people like shannon and and um uh, and rachel and, and many others as well uh th that you know th that makes you a more reflective leader so i kind of had that in my head when i was uh, i kind of feel like i've always had that in my head that's kind of how i operate as a leader right like it's part of my values in terms of 
trying to be honest about making mistakes and learning and listening to other people as well. And, and, and also trying not to invest too much of, cause it's very easy for us as, as, um, as leaders and as, as, uh, you know, as people who speak at conferences and do other things like that to invest ourselves in, into something very, very heavily um, because we, we wholeheartedly believe it. And then for it to, to, to perhaps not turn out, like I said before, the, the way you hoped it had now with, 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 with the reading approach this was something that it, it felt big it just felt big this did like the shift and i mean we've seen the the kind of impact of of, uh, of chris's book far and wide and and i feel like my hedged my bet correctly perhaps on that one um by 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 taking on board what he was what he was saying and and putting it to ground and you 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 said there about us doing a mixture of uh a, a mixture in our implementation at, at that point i hadn't quite refined our current model which i might just touch on later but we did you know we were thinking at, as the, of this reading implementation as a long thin approach we we were thinking of it like that it's just we didn't have quite we didn't have the mechanism in place at that point like that we do now but we did have a mechanism is in our, our staff meetings and you know we 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 lay, we decided to commit time a good chunk of time to to making sure this worked uh was very fortunate and i know chris shares these freely um it might be on his blog but to have his uh his instructional videos um and also the videos of him actually teaching the structured lesson so the close read the fluency read the extended reads those sessions are all filmed by him and he shared those with us so we were able to look at what a good one looked like, if you will, uh, and our staff were able to like see it. And I mean, I was in training two weeks ago where we watched all those videos again with our mentors and our mentees. Um, and it's, it, it, uh, you know, it's one of the most priceless things you can do is commit things to video uh, and have a shared centrally stored area that is available wherever you know, not even in school and out of school, for people to be able to go back to and revisit things. Um, and that was a huge part of a help, us helping helping our staff to feel like they were doing the right thing because that's what people want to do. They want to feel like they're doing things right. You know, that's how, te you know, teachers like aim to please. I genuinely feel like that. I, I certainly did when I was teaching and I know others, you know, want to do a good job. And to have to have the, the the ability to check back against a success criteria almost like and uh, you know to check what were the active ingredients for a fluency read. Well, I'm going to watch Chris do it again for ten minutes, and then I'm just going to re double check about against my practice and go, oh yeah, that's the I uh, I forgot to reread that bit twice because it's human for us to forget the odd thing or slightly change something and forget that you've changed it away from its core purpose so having the ability to go back to something and refresh and revise like pep says you know um was was really helpful in in getting it to ground uh so we spent time doing that we also just we also sort of phased it phased it as well and this was on chris's advice as well at the time this was prior to me really getting my teeth into implementation he you know he suggested that you know, we didn't just jump into the three sessions, the fluency read, the close read, the extended read. We just worked on the fluency read for like two, three weeks. And we reviewed it and we came back and we shared teething problems. And, you know, and then we 
scale so it's that kind of scalability is really really important to consider like when you're laying things down things are going to ground and that really helped manage our teachers cognitive load you know and their their ability to 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 process things and you know to automate some of that stuff as well in the classroom because shifting teacher behavior is is you know we know that from the research that is um is challenging so that really really supported the the process and having those like review points as well and coming back and and really being honest and reflective and saying this one works this one we're really struggling on the timing for this one or you know we, we and really refining things so that we got we got it to a point where um you know everybody had it had it pretty had it down pretty tight um but you know in terms of in terms of sort of how we do things now there's a lot of similarities probably to that we there's a couple of changes in terms of the mechanisms in terms of how we would continue to follow up like using instructional coaching and so on but at the time i feel like we did okay considering the climate we were in and the fact that we had to like i said we had to move quite quickly with that um to make sure that you know not just for ofsted but like that the reading offer was solid for our children so that we could build our the rest of our curriculum on that kind of cornerstone uh, if you will nice so it's you had you had the toothpaste but you had a really old toothbrush and you need to upgrade that toothbrush for it to be effective if we're going to stick with the uh, with the metaphor um, exactly i mean recently i have been thinking a lot about the last project i did um because we're replicating it in a different part of the country and so i've been thinking about what advice i can give to the person who is now doing a similar role to what i was across my three schools and the more i think about it the clearer the distinction between things i would recommend other people do and things i'd recommend people don't do becomes clearer and clearer because you've got this rose-tinted vision of how things went you sort of i don't know you probably from an evolutionary standpoint have to cut out some of the stuff that didn't go particularly well so i think the role of context in this you know anyone listening and thinking can i do exactly what lloyd has done and you're thinking can i do exactly what chris has done it that word doesn't exist you know and it's a case of you know talking about rachel and shannon examples of of implementation gone right and wrong and how we can you know take everything we see and then try and refine what we do and that's how you get to that point where you can't remember the things that you the mistakes you made because you then it becomes like you say the Stablehurst way it becomes a part of who your your identity as a school and as a leader and so you know I'm, I'm almost thinking as you're speaking if anyone else is in a similar position to you and they want to share their experience it might be good to collate like a massive bank you know so if anyone is keen to you know just email me and say i want to chat about our reading the changes we made to reading you know that, that would be really good because i think yeah there is no one way to do this, but what you've done is you have taken several years to refine how you do it. Hopefully getting to the point where pupils are getting a really high quality reading education. And we know that given the demographic of your school, literacy levels are particularly important because they can be, I don't know, not a societal blocker, but they can exacerbate certain things that are that are already prevalent i don't know i don't know how best to 
described and obviously you're the expert in, in that field and, and your school's um, sort of catchment so do correct me if I say anything that's probably you know that is off the mark but I think literacy is important for everyone and, and the ability to read is important for everyone but in certain instances it can be extra important what what has been the impact you know obviously we were that was a you know it was a lot of work and um looking back now i think like i would have you know i would have written a proper implementation plan for it and 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 carefully sort of laid out my markers and kind of what i want and the points i wanted to check at the time my thinking what wasn't as developed in, in that in that field and I think I can say I was a little bit more kind of freewheeling it, not freewheeling it. Cause that's probably the wrong way to, that's probably the wrong way to say it. But like, I was a little bit more loose with my like kind of bigger strategic direct um, uh, oversight than I am now. Um, and that's through just learning the hard way, you know, where things perhaps haven't gone quite as, as they should have um, to, to kind of, uh, to kind of think about that, you know, think about things a bit more, coherently and with those mechanisms in mind but you just become deputy head hadn't you because i remember you driving past my house in lockdown saying you've been in the interview and you were like it, it was lit yeah your car. <laughs> it, it was lit honestly it was literally it was one of the earliest things i did as part of my role so i was i was a novice deputy i i, I didn't really know what i was doing and i like you know i had a lot of reading behind me but not a lot of practical application in terms of um like how to do it and i just like i said I go back to that just how important that is you know uh, the how and um and my mental models have shifted enormously in the last four four years in that front and i yeah i i sort of i went into it and was like right well hang on we just need to I knew we needed to move on it, so we, I just sort of forged it and put and pushed it, which is interesting because, like, having like going back to the Sam's book, you know how you buy people in, and and we did, we got certain year groups to trial and feedback at the you know early adopters and things in terms of coming up and getting staff buy in and things, and we we did, we definitely did loads of these things right. Uh, there were things that we could have done better, without a shadow of a doubt, and how, how, knowing what I know now about how we we put things to ground and how many things staff were juggling at the time, but we were in a tough spot. You know, we were requires improvement school coming out the back of a pandemic uh, with him and an Ofsted, you know, that position wasn't, wasn't a tickle. And, and our staff knew that. And we knew we had to dig deep to, to shift things that needed to move before the, before inspection and so on. So uh, we just, we did work hard that we did work hard, you know, and I acknowledge and recognize and, respect the staff that i worked with through that period for being able to like really commit and do it for children you know they did it for children you know so children can read better and so what's the impact our children read better you know we were able to bring about real rigor and systematic a systematic approach we brought in the heart of reading to the school that's what i feel we did like we literally were like here the heart and soul of reading returned to the school and it was like it, it, you could feel like i said earlier that it came from that and because children were talking about reading and the new lessons and we you know like some of the iterations have been which wasn't in christmas but things like I've, I've mentioned it before you know where we have the reading symbol and, and there's a reading element in every lesson and we, you know all these things kind of 
were born from this approach. And we looked carefully at, you know, tracking fluency and accuracy and we got insight and we decided to, we record all that centrally. And then when we look at and discuss a child at a pre progress meeting for their reading, we look at their fluency, their accuracy, their prosody, their NFER score. And we talk to the teacher and, you know, so there's six, seven points of discussion there that form a signal about the child's reading. It's not an exact science. Nothing is It's noisy and messy. We know this. But it gives us a bit of an, a steer on where, where our children are, and we can see that they're making gains with it, you know. And that coupled with a kind of a rigor with our phonics, phonics was in a good shape, actually. It wasn't too bad. Um, we just tightened it a bit. And that, and that coupled with that kind of tracking of children all the way to year six, you know, not letting you foot off the gas with ensuring children have ample opportunity to learn to read and to continue to champion that for all children, send everybody, all children are in that bracket. They all deserve that offer. And I feel we brought that offer through this, through this implementation and this approach. And for me that I was very proud of that. And I was very proud of Alina for driving that on my, our, um, you know, cause ultimately she, she did the legwork on this. She, she led it. She followed it up. I just I helped steer her a bit and I put her in in sort of in connection with the right material and people and she flew and and so the school we did as as, as readers and as a school and you know and and I think thankfully that was recognized and not that we do it for Ofsted of course we don't we do it for children and that's my first and foremost in the impact is where I would start there is We've given children a better offer, a better chance, like you say, uh, accessing more learning, more opportunities in their lives, right? That's why. But fortunately, we were also recognized by the inspectorate as well that that we were doing an okay job with our reading as well. And that, that reflected in the report. And I had no worry whatsoever when Alina took the inspector around. I just knew she would, the inspector would see what we'd done and i knew she'd be able to explain that and narrate that so coherently and she did um and yeah and 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 so i think looking at where just reflecting back to where it was when i stepped in to then where it was at that point it was seismic the difference in our rigor and our you know just the whole reading approach had was just ours and it was there and that felt that felt nice. That felt good because we'd worked so hard as a team on it, and you know we'd thought about when things had gone wrong, and we'd listened and we'd amended and iterated, and and but come back to the core principles of what effective reading instruction looks like, and revisited the research and thought, right, hang on, well that we can't change that that much because then we're coming away, from, we're going, we're slipping back into all, you know, there was all these sorts of conversations that happened in meetings and when we had our review points and things and, you know, and and you've got to allow that stuff to happen in proper implementation. You've got to allow things to breathe a bit. Um, and you, because again, going back to what the buy-in and that kind of effective sort of bedding in of anything, staff need to be able to feedback properly what, what they are finding hard. Um, because for like any leader, we can say, right, here's a great thing. 
this is a great approach. Here's all the research shows this is a great approach. Right, go. You know, and we just know that there's going to be things that come up that are so specific and unique to a setting that you could we can go well. And we no answer for that in the book. You know, and like I say, I'm very fortunate to be able to be able to, to be able to reflect and and to speak with Chris on those issues. Just helped us to to steer steer the ship a little bit better. But ultimately, the impact has been our children read more. They read a lot more now than they did four years ago. Um, and and it, that stemmed from kind of, I can't remember if it was Neil or said about taking a year three child or year four child and just track what they actually read in a day. How much actual reading do they do? And I think that we did that and realized actually it was slim pickings and the way to be a better reader is to do loads more reading fundamentally so that's how we kind of orchestrated our you know the that impact through um up in the mileage and making sure that that was done in a way which developed good reading behaviors um and i i feel i genuinely feel we've moved significantly I think it's really important that you mentioned Ofsted, you know, because my follow-up was going to be, right, okay, when a reading leader or a teacher or a school leader are listening to this and they're thinking, right, impact, they're thinking three things. School's own assessment of how reading's going, how pupils are performing in reading, how they, how they read, what Ofsted says, what Ofsted thinks, and SATs. Those are the three things that you're thinking about. These are the three ways in which my performance as subject leader can be judged. These are the three ways in which the school can be sort of externally judged. You know, how does this impact? So I think it's important, you know, it, it's crazy to think that we could be looking back at the last couple of years as the golden age of Ofsted um, sooner rather than later, which is, um, you know, remember that time when they were oh, slightly damn. evidence informed? Well, obviously that's an episode for another time. But, you know, it's great that they're looking and recognizing that the more pupils read, that's a good proxy for sort of effective reading instruction. You know, I don't know. That's obviously summarizing Chris's words in many fewer words than he would probably like me to. But it all boils down to that. What's the frequency? You know, you're not going to get better if you don't. SATs takes a long time for that to start to trickle through, you know. So I'm not going to say I'm so loud. What were your stats results in the last X number, especially with the cohorts that have just gone through? Oh. You know, I think I think it's going to be maybe 10 years from, you know, to 2030. And we'll, be, we'll have stopped saying, oh, well, this cohort, you know, may not have been impacted by the pandemic, you know, really, because the kids who miss nursery was, are nowhere near taking their key stage two assessments, you know, and, and et cetera. Um, so I, I do think it's important because, those are the yardsticks against which schools measure themselves and, and are measured. In the past, one of the biggest challenges I've had to overcome has been an ideological opposition to the use of textbooks. And a lot of my time is spent outlining the reasons why the ideological position against might not be the most evidence informed or and might be from it might be misinformed. I don't know, but obviously I do it in a much nicer way than that. I don't. I'm not as blunt as saying this is 
you know, there's le- there's more you could be considering here. Um, but it is a conversation I have had to have, and it is work that I've had to do over an extended period of time to bring everyone along with me. What challenges have you had to overcome during the implementation here? Sort of, again, to jump on what, what you were talking about there in terms of people being wary or hesitant around something new. I mean, I understand it, given that the kind of legacy of school improvement, as I've talked about before, um, is that potentially in, in, in places we've had a lot of change. <clears throat> right, this is the new thing. Right, that's not any good anymore. Right, this is the new thing now. Right, you know, and things being picked up and dropped and not de-implemented, if you will, um, properly. And, it, you know, that teachers have been burned by that. You know, uh, that that's that kind of thinking. And particularly more experienced teachers I speak towards here. Now. You know, teachers who've been in the game 10, 15, 20, 30 years, they've seen things come and go because they have. They've seen brain gym. They've seen learning styles. They've seen what were those voting pad things. Remember them? Active Inspire voting things. Everybody had big boxes of them in classes and all the kids were voting A, B, and C. Yeah, they've seen all of those things come through. So I kind of get why they're wary. And I understand like why, uh, you know, this is a new thing, you know, which is, again, I talked a little bit earlier about those early adopters, about getting getting some key staff on board to feedback in sessions about how they're finding it, water and all, and be prepared to be, and, and have enough psychological safety in your team to be able to, to be able to have that culture where people go, yeah, yeah, this isn't quite working for me at the moment. This works really well, you know, and if you, if you can get those teachers, those people who are very valuable, of immense expertise, who need to be listened to on board to feedback like that, you start, you start to turn the tide a little bit and prevent any kind of downward spiraling, if you will, uh, you know, when things, new things come in. And I think that was something we we did. So like we, we scaled, like I said, we scaled and we thought carefully about who would be picked to get, to be feeding back on fluency sessions or extended reads or whatever. And, and that really helped. It really, really, you know, that started to shift better. In the first instance, there were some teachers who, who were just sort of, yeah, just like this is another change, you know. And and again, that's another reason why we have shifted our approach, my approach, our school approach to professional development so significantly. With that in mind, you know that that very much is plays a central role to some of the reasons why we, if if we want to change teacher behaviour, uh, we need to consider we need to always consider that. Um, workload was another challenge you know like we are we were in a lockdown and we were coming out of a lockdown we were trying to put school back together um and we were doing a new reading thing scheme approach you know and it's kind of like that's a lot that's a lot um, and we knew that so we had to try and do everything we could to try and make things as easy as they can for teachers where you can make things as part of least resistance do it planning days they help you know they are a lot of work. They're a lot of resource. They're a lot, they're expensive, but they're there to support implementation. That's why we do them. Um, that was, you know, that was a real consideration for us. The videos, they support workload because they're there as a central resource to go back to. Yeah. Anything we, we created, um, 
like centralized stored texts and things text extracts for audio groups that we helped to, to support now you know are, are we out of the woods on that one yet no we're not we still got work to do there and we'll probably talk about sort of some things going forward in a bit but that workload you know people were like oh this is a new you know i'm trying to teach i'm trying to reconnect with teaching in this classroom again and this you know I, i've got this to consider as well now in a perfect world i would say well actually do you know what we'll just lighten up on this we'll take our time we we couldn't we couldn't take our time because for two reasons one children they only get one crack through school and two we we were an ri school and you've you know it's it's like i said it's no tickle being in our school it's you've got to you've got to dig in you have got to try and change things for children um and so we we did have to move on it so that you know i i'm looking back on that i reflect on that you know i would love for the pace of that to have been slowed a bit and to have thinned it a little bit and to have um and, and perhaps we didn't get that quite right but we did the best we could in the context that we were in and you know and i i like i hope staff knew that at the time and we did try to narrate that as much as possible that you know this is the situation and you know and we did come through the other side you know and and, and we we were stronger as a team for it i feel that um but like again it's i'm not going to paint it all roses because it's not like you know school improvement is just not it's not all roses it's like you said earlier it's nuanced and it's sticky and it, it can be ugly at times you know and 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 but you you as a leader you do everything you can to mitigate all of that as best you can and clear things up for people and particularly the team underneath you you know make look after them like make sure they got what they need make sure you check in with them make sure that you listen to them and properly listen to them you know does this work you know and trying to send out surveys and anonymous surveys and find out like you know get the staff voice on it what what do they actually think of this? Like, do they think this is nonsense or are they actually on board? Um, so yeah, so that was, you know, there was some, there was some challenges there without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, they were the, probably the main two things. Yeah. was, was initial reluctance from, from experience staff and then some workload stuff, um, that, that became, but I feel like, you know, we, we got, we navigated it. Um, and again, we learned from it. We learned from it. I think like, I've said before, um, something that like has come out of our MBQs and something that Lucy always does as well is that is that pre-mortem thinking is so powerful. Like before you do anything, a- anything you do, pre-mortem it. Like what's if this goes wrong, what what's the backup? What are we gonna do? You know, like and kind of nail that down, like codify it and say, right, like if this goes wrong, this is where we're gonna like the, these are. I, there's a great blog. I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, I want to say it might be Stuart Locke about kill points um and he, he talks about kill points about like when is the time to like pull the plug when things aren't just are not working um and that's really smart leadership thinking um so you know that yeah i would say that they, they they're things to consider when you know when with with any implementation um and we, we face challenges as, as as everybody does but i think it's hopefully like sharing some of that here and like you said encourage anybody else to 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 i would love to hear more people's journeys and people's experiences and what they learned and what they got wrong and 
yeah and like you said that bank or like further episodes just sounds great to me um but because like i say i look back and i look i look i look at decisions that i made as a leader and i think oh, i probably would have would have done that differently now um and i think we always need to be like that and if we lose that we it's a dangerous position that you can go to you know like where you lose that kind of ability to look back and and ability in the in the moment as well to go hang on is this working like are we what when are we saying this is you know the my ego can be removed from this and we can just say actually we need to significantly change what we're doing here i think we also need to temper it because you know i'm having i'm having flashbacks as you're talking there i've only ever every school i joined has been ri when i've joined and rightly or wrongly a good offstead grading gives you breathing space to develop and so there are decisions you have to make when the only constants is change i don't know where i got that from but i've been banging on about um you know schools where the only constant is change and you there's a lack of trust in systems and in leadership and you need to establish that what like you said what you're doing is going to be here for the long haul and we're just going to get slightly better at it as we go as we go through and yeah, so even though we look back and we say, oh, yeah, I would have done that differently, would have done that differently. At the time, it was probably the right decision to make because it was there were extenuating factors that influenced the reasons why you made them, you know. So I think, yeah, being reflective is extremely important part of school leadership. And, but also there are different circumstances in which you have to lead in a slightly different way. And if that's implementing something quicker than you'd like to, just to get a minimal sort of standard. And um, I mean, going back to textbooks, I was talking about, you know, it ensures this minimum quality of expert of experience for pupils. It guarantees the the story being told across and um, their time in primary school is, is consistent and coherent. And then you can build all the lovely stuff on top of that, you know, and I'm sure there's sort of similar um similar in, in other aspects of the the curriculum um although i can speak most confidently with regards to mathematics because of my recent experience and so yeah so I, I mean it makes a whole lot of sense like i say I'm, I'm listening and i'm thinking yeah that's been there um, and especially when you're waiting on that you know you know the school is good it just doesn't sit above the door or on your massive banner outside the school and so yeah, it's a, it's it's almost playing the waiting game so that then you can then make the decisions you want to make and know are the right decisions. And then as your leadership style develops, you know, you can become more assured in those. Because eventually you get to the point where you think, well, actually, I know what I'm doing is right. I can't wait to share that with Ofsted. <laughs> but it takes a little... Oh, you're a absolutely long... right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. And and I think you, you, hit, you hit on it perfectly there. Like, it, it, it's a case of... I think yeah, there's a, there's a lot of value in what you say about temper in there because you, you do you do need to make you make the best decisions you can with the information you have and with the kind of leader that you are, don't you? You know, and 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 I think you you have to be confident in those decisions for your staff as well. I think you know you need to believe in what you're doing because if you if you're too iterative or you're too uh, reflective, you can end up tying yourself up in knots, which is absolutely right. And I think it's it's that kind of sweet spot in the middle, isn't it, between being being kind of reflective and iterative and and also planting your flag and saying 
this is what we're going to do because we and these, here's the reasons why we're, we're doing it sort of thing um i i would love to i i, I think you've you've really teased out like a a point that I would love to hear more people talking about or or certainly talk talk to others about uh with regards to um that kind of school improvement in the um uh, under the cosh if you will you know in those in those positions where we don't have time on our side because you absolutely are 100% correct in the breathing space and unfortunately that is the that is the system that we exist in that we do have that and and things to shift they do no matter what anybody says schools shift to different places the minute that off that inspection finishes and things just change pace and you can start to do things a bit more sensibly and you know and 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 so i would love to hear and or even discuss with other leaders who have been in positions where they've they've gone in and, and you know and made changes quickly and how they do that balancing against the implementation principles that we know to be so effective um because uh, i i actually raised this on my mpq and uh didn't get an answer uh, i got kind of shut down on it a little bit because i was like well you know in the current climate we're in this is not i, I understand you know and i'm all for, i i am 100 for of course long thin sustained improvement but our system doesn't lend to that all the time and so for me there's a little niggly point that i'd love to hear more about um, so if there's anyone listening that would love to share <laughs> the their experiences on that, please get in, in touch with the show. All this recommendation for long, thin, prudent professional or school improvement negates any comment about the existence of schools that are good but don't have good results because you're not changing those results overnight. I mean, I've had experience where results have gone down before they've gone back up again and risen. You know, these these kind of phenomena exist within those kind of situations. And so to be having conversations in the wider sphere about, about how it could be possible that these schools without 100% in their in their sort of end of key stage assessments could possibly be good schools, is in, it flies in the face of the advice we're being given on a governmental and departmental level. So it is one for another time. And I think... Teachers under the cosh or leaders under the cosh would be a good series. You know, I'm sure we know plenty. I'm trying to think, racking through my head now. Who? That's a little sub series of every heard one. It's Adapte, <laughs> leaders under the cosh. We get Ross Kemp to do it. I'm Ross Kemp. <laughs> no, I've got teachers <laughs> under the cosh. <laughs> I'm here in a school in the Midlands. <laughs> Who've you got against the Midlands? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I went to the Midlands. I literally. Uh... Maybe it goes all the way around the country. <laughs> Here in East Anglia, I've got Adam Smith, teacher. Oh, <laughs> He's been in the gang. He knows the gang. He's done the gang. Oh, I wonder how much this is going to stay in, right? Uh, uh, hopefully none of it. Also, right. realize how ridiculously autumnal I look on this thing. Like, yes. Have you been, have oh, you been chopping wood? Literally, like, I might as well just have my axe spear on my shoulder. Like, <laughs> my stack of wood. I'm a little pumpkin latte or something like, honestly. Nice. Yeah. So maybe um, a very brief um, and pithy response to the final question. Yeah. I'll which is, sure. What improvements would you like to make? So I guess I keep, I keep this one short, really. The improvement I'd like to make is to continue to have fidelity to what we do. 
that is the biggest thing. It's one of the biggest challenges I'd say with any any implementation you do is how you just keep it going consistently all the time. New staff come in, people shift year groups, people move around, you know, making sure that things happen exactly as they say on the tin is so, so key. And that's where we are currently is just really re, re, revisiting, retightening up uh, the stuff that we laid down so well in the first instance. It's like anything, isn't it? You let if you leave it, leave it go a bit. And, and it was really interesting because like, I haven't seen some of the some of the slight mutations that had appeared in in some of the some of the reading lessons. I was thinking, that's not in that's not part of the extended reading. And then, you know, it's not through anybody's fault. It's just where teachers have kind of, you know, they'd go in about their daily thing and something slightly changes. And it it's so minor that they don't even register it almost. And then it, a couple of weeks later, something else just gives a little bit and then that's something that lends to changes and you know all of a sudden a year down the line you look back at the original video and you go oh we're not doing that right anymore we, hang on let's just revisit you know so having that like ability to go back to and that's what I said like i said how important those videos are and that ability to go back and go what do we expect to see do you do this in your teaching do i do this in my teaching i teach reading every day do i do it i go back and revisit those videos and go am i still doing a fluency session correctly here you know, uh, so that for me is like the improvement that I would make with it. Now we've got we've got work to do in terms of like continuing to like develop our reading culture and uh, you know making sure children the, the love for reading and things and celebrating reading at all levels. Um, but in terms of the yeah, in terms of the like core purpose, bring it back to the original content without fidelity. Nice, that's a great answer because yeah, there's no need to add stuff if it's not necessary. Big time. Yeah. One of my schools got to about three years and we thought, well, actually, we just need to get really good at what we've already established rather than introducing things that we're not really 100% certain about. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about this, Lloyd, and trip down memory lane in some aspects. Check this out for a segue. Reading is the language of humanity. Mathematics is the language of the cosmos. And on November 13th, I'm going to be running a webinar about number bonds, which are essentially the phonics of mathematics. And if you're in, I don't know, anywhere past the Middle East, you know, between the Middle East and Australia, there's a one, there's a there's a version at 10:30 GMT. And if you're sort of on the other side, you know, through Europe and the UK, there's one at 4 p.m. on that day. So shameless plug. But if I can't do it on my own podcast, hey. where can I do it? <laughs> Absolutely. And and I'm assuming, Kieran, that you're you're refer referencing uh, the the new established Alta Education. Am I right? Indeed. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's yeah. Me and Stuart Welsh, who's been on the podcast a few times before, certainly did a what he called a maths panel with Lisa and mm. possibly Shannon. I want to say. Um, yeah, we've we've joined forces to um, sort of cover primary and secondary. I suppose maths is our obviously our strong point, but obviously we've got mm. a lot of expertise in sort of different areas like curriculum and stuff like that. So, you know, we're trying to help schools on their development journey with uh, sort of our our combined experience of, uh, like I say, I think working in challenging circumstances for most of, if not all, of my career, and hopefully we can help others too. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for 
pushing it loud because I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> but I do want to modest the webinar because I I've worked hard on it and I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be worthwhile because it it really looks ex, you know in in forensic detail at how we can be effective. So no matter what you use, here's some principles you can use to be to help all pupils learn number you know learn their number bonds. And it's not necessarily looking at the understanding aspect because that should be baked into your curriculum. But it's that little and often stuff that such and I talked about way, way back. Yeah. All I said to do is say thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much. And everyone at home, until next time, thanks for listening. Ha, 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 ha.